Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. So they took their censers. It wasn't God's censers, the holy censers that were in the place. It was theirs, their personal ones, probably ones that they had used over there in worshiping other gods. And they put that all in God's face, saying, I'm going to worship you the way I want to worship you. Right there before the people. And the father said simply, I'm not having that. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Good morning, everybody. Good morning to our online community that are gathering from all around the world. Thank you guys so much for being a part of today's service. Thank you for making us a part of your day. Amen. All right, well, uh, this is part number five of the series entitled Restore the Glory. Restore the Glory. So as the Lord has dealt with us uh, in this series and really has dealt with us that, of course, we know that we are living in the last days. And in the last days, before the return of Jesus Christ, his body will show forth with much glory, with great glory. And the closer his return, and let me tell you this prophetically, the closer the Lord's return, uh, you're going to see his body begin to shine brighter and brighter, and the glory will return to the church. Uh, the returning of Christ is such a huge event. Uh, when the Lord comes and takes his church, that's a global uh, phenomenon, if not universal phenomenon, uh, when he comes back from the high heavens and pulls us out that the closer he gets uh, the closer that time comes the more his glory will be reflected in the church in his bride now we have a choice we can be involved in what god is doing or we cannot be involved uh, the lord will allow you to be a spectator if you want to be and miss out on this next move of glory this has already begun. It has already begun. And I can tell you now uh, that I have begun to see uh, more miracles or signs and wonders, more prophetic utterances in, the, in this week uh, than I have in a very, very, very long time. Uh, I was just talking to Todd earlier about uh, a service I was just in on last night, and the Spirit of God was moving so mightily, so mightily. As, as what he's doing is actually he's perfecting our spiritual gifts. He's perfecting our, our spiritual talents. He's perfecting it. And if you would allow him to, he will show you how uh, to move in and out of the spirit, how to move in and out and find pastures. Because in this day and time right now, what is needed now is a people who are being led by the Spirit of God, who are being led by the Spirit of God. Now, you'll notice, too, that when the, the, the term Christian was first given uh, to the followers of Christ, you know, the church was not always known as Christians. We were known as followers of the way, uh, way back in Bible times, followers of the way, and then just the followers. But someone, I believe, in Antioch, they began to call uh, the followers of Christ Christians, because when they saw people that followed Jesus, they were like Christ. Christian means Christ-like. They saw them 
flowing in God's character and nature, and they immediately identified these people as being like Jesus. You are like Christ. So when they needed a miracle, when they needed a, a word from God, when they needed to hear from God, when they needed something in their lives, just like they pursued Christ Jesus, well, they pursued the Christian. They pursued those who were following after Christ. But something has happened between that day and this day. There's been a departure of glory. Uh, when most people think of Christians now, they do not think of those that are following Christ. They, that is just not the case by and large. But there is a return of glory as the Lord will raise up those who are truly following after him. And there will be a clear line, a clear distinction between holy and unholy, between those that are following him and those that are not. So I pray that you will not move this, this wave of the spirit uh, that is happening right now. Not that will happen, but that is happening at this moment. Our journey this morning goes to, Le uh, to the book of Leviticus, Leviticus 9. Uh, I'm just going to read just a few verses here, Leviticus 9, and we're going to speak from the subject today of strange fire, strange fire. Now, as we go into this, we'll, also, we'll, we'll see how it's important how we treat the presence of God. It's important how we treat the altar of God. The, it's important how we respect him, how we come before him. How are you coming before the Lord? Now, by and large, what I have seen today, when, when many people come to church, of course, I'm sure not all of you, or not all of you that are watching and listening right now, but please hear me. By and large, I have seen when people come to church, it's really not, they're really not coming to seek the, really, they don't have a heart of seeking God and, and saying, Lord, I'm coming because I know you have a word for me and, and I, I want to I receive a blessing and I want to give a blessing. Many are not coming in a spirit of expectation. God's going to move today. God's going to speak to me today. No, many are coming out of obligation or many are coming out of, of duty. You know, it's something that we just do. Uh, they're not really, they would pr prefer to believe that they're really coming to serve God, but it's more a chore and it's more a task uh, than it is anything else. How are you coming before God today? How are you coming before him? Are you coming before him as the author and finisher of all things, as the God of the universe? Or are we just here today just to be here because it's Sunday and it's, it's just time for us to go to church? How is your hunger level for the things of God? Not just your hunger level on a Sunday morning, but how is your hunger level with God all throughout the week? Are we pursuing him? Are we pursuing his presence? Or are we more pursuing the things of this life in this world? Now, my purpose is not to condemn in any way, shape, or form, but to wake us up to the reality of what's actually going on. And I've said to you that old African, African proverb many times, blesses the man who expects nothing, for he shall not be disappointed. So where is your hunger level in pursuing the things of God? Where is your hunger level? Are you thirsty for him? Because if we're not thirsty for God, then we're thirsty for something else. We're drinking something else somewhere else. Where are you? Where, where is your thirst? Where is your hunger? 
And if you would quantify your thirst or hunger level, how hungry for God you, would you say that you are? How is, is your heart crying out for him? Are we in pursuit of him? Or are there other things uh, that are really taking up more of our time, attention, our mental focus? So I'm telling you, in this new wave, this next wave, this current move of the spirit, it's got to do with your hunger. Are you hungry for the things of God? And sometimes do we really only get hungry for God when something goes horribly wrong in our lives and we can't see any other choice, any other way but him. And he becomes a last ditch uh, effort. Don't let that be the case. Don't let that be the case. Let me show you some examples here, and I want to show you this of strange fire. Look at Leviticus, the ninth chapter, Leviticus 9, verse 22 through 24 out of the King James Version. And listen to this. Look at this mighty move of God here when God's glory really just appeared. Uh, here it says in verse 22, it says, now again, Leviticus 9, chapter, verse 22, and we're going to go on. And Aaron lifted up his hand toward the people and blessed them. And came down from offering of the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. Verse 23, and Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. And what happened? And the glory of the Lord appeared upon all the people. And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat. One more time, and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. Isn't that a glorious service? Well, the people of God have come to church and they have brought their offerings in. And the priest, Moses in this case, Moses and Aaron, they have offered this up before the Lord. Or Aaron, the high priest there in Moses. And they offered this before the Lord. And the Lord accepted their sacrifices. And he answered by fire. Awesome. And everybody shouted, praise God. Everybody was in step and in tune. But look at the very next chapter, Leviticus 10. Verses number one, uh, two, and three, it says, And um, Nabad and Abahu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer um, and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. Verse two and there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said unto Aaron, this is it, this is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, or come near me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Now, it would seem to be a good thing, right? This was, the, this was the same day, the same service. The fire of God had just come down, and everybody's shouting. Then Aaron's sons, the preacher's kids, those that were serving also with their father, 
those that were meant to be priests themselves that that um, Aaron was training up. Well, they decided to get involved. They took their incense, um, they took their, their censers, and they put, the Bible says, they put fire in it. They put fire in it, and then they put incense in it, and then they began to wave that before the Lord. Now, God already said, don't do this. Why did he say don't do this? Because, first of all, this was something that the high priest himself did. They were unauthorized to perform this action. And I'm going to show you to show this to you as well. The Bible says they took fire. It does not mean that they they did not take this fire from the altar. They took fire from another place, which was more convenient for them. Now, God had already started a fire on the altar. There was fire on this altar from the previous sacrifice. Why didn't they just take fire out from the altar and put it in their and put it in their censers. Why didn't they do that? No, they took it from somewhere else. Uh, most scholars would also say that uh, these two young men were also very active in worshiping other gods, in idolatry. And this is what they did over there. So they took their censers. It wasn't God's censers, the holy censers that were in the place. It was theirs, their personal ones, probably ones that they had used over there in worshiping other gods. And they put that all in God's face, saying, I'm going to worship you the way I want to worship you, right there before the people. And the father said simply, I'm not having that. They worshiped the way they wanted to worship him, and they were consumed. Because what happened is that they, they distorted the image of Christ. Because everything that God told the people of God to do, the priest to do, was something that symbolized Christ and his relationship with the church. And I'm going to show this uh, to you. So in essence, their two sons, uh, Aaron's two sons, disrespected the presence of God. They disrespected him. And the Lord said, I will be sanctified from among my people. I will be honored from among the people, especially said, those who come nigh me. Now, let me show you what should have been done in two cases here. And let me show you the reason why. And let's go to Leviticus, the 16th chapter. Uh, let's look at verse 12 through uh, just 12 and 13. Leviticus 16, 12 and 13 out of the New Living Translation. And this is how it reads. Verse 12 says, he, that is Aaron, will feel will fill an incense burner. That's a censer that we talked about. So what it was. Fill, uh, Aaron will fill uh, an incense burner with burning coals from where? The altar that stands before the Lord. Then he will take two handfuls of fragrant powdered incense and will carry the burner and the incense where? Behind the inner curtain. That's the holy place, the presence of God. Let's read on. There in the Lord's presence, he will put the incense on the, uh, on the burning coals. Coals, of course, that burning coals, which he got from the altar. He'll put incense on the burning coals uh, so that a cloud of incense will rise over the ark's cover, the place of atonement that, that rests on the ark of the covenant. If he follows these instructions, he will not die. So what happened there? Aaron's sons did something publicly that was only meant to happen 
privately. God said, Aaron, this is how you do it. And he'd gone over them. Uh, he'd gone over this procedure with them before, but he's reminding them of this in Leviticus 16. These incense represent the prayers of the saints that go up before the presence of God. This is meant to be done privately in the presence of God and not meant to be shared openly. Aaron's sons took their censers, took their burners, and lit incense in front of everybody. In front of everybody. These were meant to go just to the Father, just in his presence, not in the open air. Remember, that distorted the picture of Father's relationship with us. So the Father said, I'm not having that. You will not distort that. Let's look at Revelation 8 chapter. Revelations 8. Revelations 8. Let me show you a few more things here because everything that God told them to set up in the earth is a picture of the real thing that actually happens in heaven. Revelation, the eighth chapter, uh, verses one through five says this. It says, and when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence where in heaven about the space of half an hour. Verse number two. And I saw the seven angels which stood where before God and to them were given seven trumpets. Now look at verse three. And another angel came and stood at the altar. There's an altar in heaven. You see this? Uh, um, and verse three again. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. The same thing that was in the book of Leviticus. But this angel had a golden censer and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints, with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. You see this picture. Look at verse number four. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up where? Before God, out of the angel's hand. And look at verse number five. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar. Again, the fire is from the altar. And cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. So again, this was something that the father was establishing back in the Old Testament. He was telling them how it looks, how it looks in, the, in the presence of God as the saints pray. Our prayers go up before father like incense, like smoke in the presence of God. And we get that, and we get our fire from the presence of God. We get our fire from, from the altar, fire that he starts fires that that he has uh, that he has um, sent down to consume our sacrifices. Now, here's the question. Uh, what fire are you bringing before the Lord? Because it's it's really easy to say, well, this is how we did it over here. And some people, maybe even in praise services, will begin to do the exact same dance that they did there in the club. You will begin to treat God the exact same way that we did in some other place. And we wave that before the Lord and expecting him to take it. 
Well, the same thing that happened there uh, with Cain and Abel in the very beginning. Abel offered his sacrifice, uh, but Cain offered, which was an Abel's sacrifice, was one that was prescribed by God, a blood sacrifice. Uh, Cain did not offer a blood sacrifice. He took of the fruit of his garden. Well, that may have been a good thing in, in his sight, but it was not what God called for. The Lord required blood because without shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So Cain thought he was doing something, but God said, no, if you would do right, I would accept this. If you would just do what is right. See that there's a long history of us just worshiping God the way we want to do it and not seeking counsel as to what you want. Coming before God out of out of um, convenience or out of out of just obligation and not coming really with the purpose of seeking his face, of knowing him, receiving from him, blessing him with many is not about Christ. It's about the building. It's about the people and relationships have really faltered. Now, let me show you something here in the book of Malachi, which also brings this point out as well. Malachi, the first chapter, Malachi 1. So I'll ask you again, how are you, how did you come today to worship? Those of you that are watching and listening, what heart do you have to hear? Why are you listening? Why are you watching? What are you expecting? What are we expecting? Look at this. The Lord had a problem with the priest once again in Malachi, the first chapter. Verse number six says this. Now, you say, well, they were the priests, but understand under the new covenant, you have become a king and a priest. You have become a king and the priest. So how are you offering your sacrifice? And the sacrifice, of course, we will be talking about tithe and offerings in this case. But the sacrifice that he receives is your life. You never give up your money if you don't give up your life of who you are. Malachi, the first chapter, look at verse number six. It says, the Lord of, this is the uh, New Living Translation again. It says, the Lord of heaven's armies says to the priest, a son honors his father and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled the, the sacrifices? You defiled them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. No respect. You say, I, I never do that. I never say that. But our actions speak much louder than our words. The way we enter into the presence of the Lord, the way we enter into the fellowship, the way, you, uh, the way you put time aside to pray, the way you put time aside to study the word, or, or do we put time aside to do this? Is the Lord the main focus? We say, and we say, Lord, I can't live this life without you. But does our life reflect that? We say, Lord, I can't do without you. But does our life reflect that? If it does not, well, then that is the first point of prayer. Lord God, make me hungry. Make me thirsty for you. Make me hungry. Make me thirsty for you. Help me, Lord. Help me. That is the first point of prayer. Look again. It says, verse number eight, 
when you give blind animals as sacrifices, uh, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all? Ask the Lord of heaven's armies. What are you bringing before God? What are you bringing before God? What are you bringing before God? It's not just about money, about, about um, the tithe and offering, and not about church attendance and about prayer time. It's how we honor and respect him. It's how we give him our lives. We can be so busy, so busy doing so. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that we can do. But are we, con are we consistently putting him to the back and say, I'll get with you as soon as I can, Lord. You understand, right? Are we consistently doing that? Are we disrespecting his presence? Are we offering him strange fire? Are we always promoting other things above him and other people before him? What kind of fire are you offering? What kind of fire are you offering? And again, this is not a message to condemn, but a message I pray that the Lord will use to cause you to wake up, cause you to wake up. Because if you want to be a part of this next move of the Spirit, we're going to have to be fully awake and fully alive. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for the word that you've given us today. Lord, I pray that your word uh, falls upon good, fertile, rich ground. And that, uh, that it will produce a mighty harvest that will bring your people forth in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you. And Lord, we also repent. Uh, we ask for forgiveness of not giving you the preeminence in our lives of not doing things that we should. And Lord, we just confess that we need your help. There's so many distractions in this world. We need your help uh, to put things right. We need your help uh, to make, uh, to produce in us that level of Christ that the world so desperately needs. Lord, we thank you today for hearing our prayer and for answering us. We love you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.